Hi there. Welcome to Lead with Dr. Leslie, where I share stories of women who lead. Today, I'm telling you about former editor-in-chief of Cosmopolitan and New York Times bestselling author, Kate White. This is a story of how she was passed over for a promotion at a really crucial point in her career. We've all heard of the glass ceiling, and today we're going to talk about the phenomenon known as the broken rung in the leadership pipeline for women. I mean, the things that Kate White has actually done in her career, I fantasized about growing up. This story gives me all of the 13 going on 30 meets the Devil Wears Prada aspiration vibes I had when I was coming of age professionally. She began her career as an editorial assistant at Glamour after winning a writing contest. She then grew to have a thriving career as a top leader. She was editor-in-chief at multiple well-known publications before her 14 years at the helm of Cosmo. And since then, she's pivoted into another career quite successfully, I might add, as an author. She's written 18 books so far. Kate is successful, and I believe there's always lots to be learned from successful people, so let's dive in. So there was a moment in Kate's career early on where she looks back at what she describes as a critical lesson as a woman climbing the ladder. Kate wrote a story about a setback she had when she was 31. Unexpectedly, one day, her well-liked boss announces he's leaving, so her natural reaction is to feel disappointed he won't be there anymore. While still processing the shock, she finds out she's now in charge of running the whole newspaper supplement. And what's better, she's also on the short list of candidates for the job. So now here she is, interim editor-in-chief of the whole publication, and she's reporting directly to the publisher. She's the big boss at 31. Pretty cool, right? So right away she meets with the publisher who requested that she present a proposal about what she would do with the magazine if she were permanently promoted into the role. So she put together her best ideas and presented them to him. She assumed she did a good job and went straight to work supervising the operations of the publication. I mean, I'm sure she didn't even have time to dwell on the presentation because someone had to make sure the wheels were on the bus. You know what I mean? What better way to prove yourself as a leader than to dive in and just lead right away? So like the badass she was, she dove in and started leading. So after her initial nerves settled, she was thriving. She loved the job and she grew a strong confidence that she had it in the bag. I mean, she started to really feel like they were gonna make her the permanent editor-in-chief. Three months later though, the publisher takes her to lunch and he drops the news that the top job is going to some guy from the outside. She was crushed. She immediately felt that she had not performed at the level she thought she had, despite feeling so confident just moments ago. She was given a bump in salary and a new title, but it felt like a consolation prize. And what's worse, adding insult to injury, she did not find the new hire impressive. I mean, what's worse than not getting the job? Having to work for someone you can't learn from. And it gets worse. Three months later, her former boss takes her out to lunch and confesses. He tells her that the proposal she submitted was the best among all the candidates being considered. She was actually the strongest choice. He told her that they thought about it and they simply could not see a woman in the role. They could not picture her as the editor-in-chief, the top boss, because she was a woman. They probably only saw her as the hardworking, good-natured one who would pitch in for a bit until they found a real leader. I know, let's all take a breath. It pissed her off too. And for Kate, getting this leadership promotion at this smaller publication could have meant taking on even bigger steps later in her career. 
So that night, she decided to leave her job as soon as possible. She was relentless in looking for the next move. She harnessed the anger she felt at the injustice. She channeled it into the pursuit of her dreams. So of course, it wasn't long before she accepted a position as the executive editor of a women's fashion magazine and got the heck out of that place. So after that, Kate redirected her career back into women's magazines where there were endless opportunities for her to advance and also be mentored by other women. Sometimes we do that when we've been deeply affected by injustice. We move even closer to the work that feels purposeful and helps us to create more equity in our society. We move closer to our values. And that's what Kate did. She eventually became the editor-in-chief of a little women's interest magazine you might have heard of, Cosmo. Under her leadership, Cosmo's circulation peaked at over 3 million readers. Kate's story is relatable. Despite being the most qualified choice, despite doing everything right, she was passed up for a promotion that should have been hers. It was shocking when she learned she was not hired because of her gender, because in many ways, our dominant narrative in society sells us on the idea that women can do as they please. They can be anything they aspire to be. It's all attainable for all of us. If we work hard, if we work just as hard, we too can be successful. But Kate's story reminds us it's not actually always just about the hard work. Our ability to advance to leadership roles is also about the mainstream image about what a leader should be. It's our collective vision of what a strong, capable leader looks like. So like it or not, we all associate gender with certain attributes. As an example, I want you to think about what gender is typically associated with the following characteristics I say out loud. I'm asking you to think of how our society would categorize each word I say as either feminine or masculine. Let's go. Delicate. Powerful. Caring. Family. Career. Strong. If you're like most people, you associated communal words as female and assertive words as male. This is called implicit bias and we do it all the time every day with millions of subjects without even realizing it. You can see how many times a woman challenges the idea of what we believe a strong, assertive, and confident leader should be due to our societal implicit bias related to gender. And if she's a woman of color and a mother, now she really has the odds stacked against her. So Kate's story also felt a bit shocking because despite the truth that women still experience very real barriers to their leadership aspirations, it was also something most of us will never hear directly to our faces these days. I mean, the truth is these things are still said all the time, but it's more common to keep that kind of chatter a little more discreet in our modern society. So I thought about that. I wondered, is this story a little outdated for the times? I mean, we are talking 1982 here. I wasn't even born yet. And all politics aside, it is a fact that we have a woman in the second most powerful leadership position in the US. So yes, we have progress, that is a fact. But I also think we should keep that progress in perspective. I mean, I am all about celebrating achievements. It can really help with motivation, but there is such a thing as celebrating too soon. To keep things in perspective, the UK elected the first woman prime minister in 1979. So it seems we may be actually moving quite slow when it comes to our cultural progress of women in leadership roles. And the research agrees. McKinsey and Company's Women in the Workplace Initiative is the largest comprehensive study of the state of women in corporate America. Their research is showing time and time again 
that the biggest obstacle keeping women from advancing their careers is what they call the broken rung. It's the very first step into a manager role. That initial missed promotion ends up holding women back for the rest of their careers. So it begins at the first step to promotion and continues throughout the leadership pipeline. So for every 100 entry-level men promoted to manager-level roles, only 72 women are promoted. This reframes the way we think about the glass ceiling. Only 22% of all C-suite executives are women, and of that, only 3% are women of color. The number of women in leadership roles declines the higher and more powerful the position. But it's also not just about attaining the most top leadership role. In reality, women are disadvantaged from the get-go. Being promoted into early and middle management positions is where women often get stuck. And that's why they call it a broken run. Years later, as Kate reflected on that early setback in her career, she realized what she referred to as a critical lesson that she hadn't been able to see at the time. The lesson was this, she said, I could see in hindsight that I'd actually handled the transition period really poorly. Yes, I'd worked my butt off, but I'd also been waiting around for things to unfold in my favor rather than taking the bull by the horns. What she meant by this was that she wasn't being proactive with the publisher. She realized she had some responsibility in how that early situation played out. So the advice she would have offered her 31-year-old self was to tell the publisher how much she really wanted the job. She would have asked him how she could have shown him she was the right one for the position. She also could have scheduled weekly meetings to take him through all of the things she was doing. This, again, is relatable, and it begs the question, why is it so hard to self-promote? It just is, and that's a whole nother conversation for another time, but what I will simply say today is this. For most of us, with human feelings, self-promotion is hard at first, and we must do it anyway. Women must learn the art of self-promotion. Kate realized it was possible she didn't get the job because she failed to sell herself. And she recalled that she never actually made that mistake again. Clearly, she ran Cosmo for 14 years and, you know, she published 18 books. I think she's doing okay, which is why I choose to listen to her advice. I hope you enjoyed my second ever episode of Lead with Dr. Leslie, where I share stories of women who lead. Please subscribe, rate, and review if you like today's leadership lesson, and follow along with me on Instagram at Dr. Leslie Hughes. I'll see you next time.